What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 252nd episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ. It's super effective. I forgot to say that. We are in Generation 3 of this show, I suppose. I guess that's something that we've accomplished. With me today, I have Will. I was just going to have a drink of water now that you mentioned that we're in Generation 3. <laughs> And that uh, that cunning, delightful laugh you heard is from Travis. I guess he does play the trumpet. Did you... <laughs> I, I didn't audio edit that in. That is Travis playing the trumpet, unless Travis ha- Travis has a soundboard over there. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it was me. Can you can you figure out why I'm playing the trumpet? Today? I remember. I remember the the comment last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's reason one. Can you remember the real reason, reason two? Why this episode of all episodes? Because we've started Gen 3, is that it? Yeah, and what about Gen 3? There's a lot of horns. Hey! That's it. I love how you were both... You were both... There's like a lot of like horns and trumpets in the music. When, When people make fun of Gen 3's music, they say, Oh, the trumpets, right? And... Because the sound font of Generation 3 is very different than the previous games and has a lot of synthesized horns in it. So that's the joke. Wow. Both prepared with Gen 3 jokes. <laughs> I was just now I'm thinking of Nimbasa because that Nimbasa City soundtrack is all brass. But whatever. Nothing but Gen brass. Gen 3 is what started all that, though. <laughs> well, we got a show for you guys today. Pretty straightforward. We got a little bit of Pokemon news, and then I pulled some emails, and then Travis has their pick for Pokemon of the week. And then what will uh, what will happen is probably all that stuff will be drawn out, <laughs> like it always is, because we ramble, especially when it comes to emails. But that's okay. I think it'll be a great show regardless. But before we get to the Pokemon news, before we get to the emails, what is new with you two? Well, I got some really exciting news. Yeah, let's hear Are it. Are you ready for it? Uh-huh. Well, okay, I mean, you guys you guys both know I went to the doctor yesterday, right? Yep. And after an extremely thorough investigation, examination, with high-res 4K digital photography, 4K. there is incontrovertible proof that my head is nowhere near up my butt. So... <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who ever thought that will anderson had his head firmly up his own butt i can get you copies of those photos to show it that's is really free good. and clear good that's a really good joke and i'm also glad that there was nothing of concern oh yeah no cancer either yay <laughs> glad, glad, glad will is was safe and secure from the doctor Travis, what about what about you? Well, I just got back today from watching John Wick Chapter Two. Had I seen John Wick Chapter One? No, I had not. But I knew one thing: <laughs> don't set him off. All right, what's what's your? That's the ta- that's the tagline for John Wick. The first one was I don't think, wait, set did, him did off. Did you see the the video where they edited it so that instead of him going nuts, it was his dog? Oh, that's incredible. It's no. sweet. <laughs> What's your 10-second movie review? Was it worth seeing the second John Wick? It is a very... Hmm, it is an action movie. 
it is good at being an action movie. It is little else, but hey, it's not really trying to be that much else, and sometimes it actually becomes a little bit more, but rarely. But if you just want a good action movie, it's pretty good. Do you think that without seeing the first one, do you think the first one's probably better? <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, I just heard that question in my ears, and then my brain heard it, and it was like, without having seen the first one, do you think it was better? Yes. yes, in my perfect imagination, it, the, no, the first no, one I, was like on par with the greatest films of the 21st century. <laughs> I think I, I think that is a really interesting question, because it poses whether i think john wick 2 is a good sequel to a film i haven't seen like does john wick 2 deliver on all of the same levels that we've come to expect for the john wick franchise (laughs) that i have not seen and i think that's an interesting question i would probably say that the first one is probably people are probably gonna like the first one more i would imagine that the first one is a little more focused a little less sprawling than is john wick chapter two but again i have not seen john wick the chapter one so it's probably a circumstance like uh the godfather 2 and aliens where the second the sequel is actually better than the first movie I thought you were suggesting that Aliens was a sequel to The Godfather 2. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they really stretched it out with The Godfather to Aliens, but I think they made it work. Game over, man. Game over. The last 15 minutes of that movie really, of Aliens, really ties back to The Godfather. No, I, I asked that because a lot of times sequels never live up to the original. So I was just curious for seeing a sequel if that sequel was enjoyable. I I enjoyed myself, yeah. Although, yeah, Aliens and Aliens and uh, Godfather Part Two, along with I would argue The Empire Strikes Back, are all examples of sequels that are better than the first film. So there are some examples. Toy Story Two was a pretty good sequel, but I would say that Toy Story Three is the best out of all of them. I would concur, and I would say Space Jumanji was much better than original Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a that's a deep cut for our really, longtime listeners. Yeah, I forgot we ever talked about space Jumanji. Oh man! All right, cool. John Wick two. I guess go see it. Would well, okay. I guess the last don't question. set him off. Okay, wait, no, no, wait. I got one question before you ask your yeah. last question. Steve. Okay, sure. All right. Did you have to wear a costume since you obviously had to go to not the movie theater you work at to see this film? Did you like put on a trench coat, sunglasses, and a big hat so that your fellow theater workers didn't know so, that you were going to the popular theater? Here's so here. Well, yeah. So here's the interesting thing. One of my good friends from my hometown, where I'm currently living before for a few months before i moved to winnipeg uh, by a few it's probably gonna end up being about six but anyway one of my friends from high school who i'm you know still friends with works at the theater that uh, works for the theater chain that's the larger conglomerate in the region so there's an interesting dynamic there where i work at the small local theater and he's a like i think he's a projectionist at the larger chain so there's a bit of a uh you've got mail scenario except that we're not romantically involved so we went so he got us in free because he works there and i didn't want to go see it at the place i work because i didn't want to go to work to watch a movie sure but also why does your indie theater show john wick 2 it is interesting well i say indie because that's what i knew it as when i was Uh, a kid younger and and in high school because they played 
they were relied on independent and foreign films, but they're when trying Travis to do was first younger run now. And he wrote oh, into the podcast, and we plan on that, reading yeah. the email that he uh, wrote. It. No, I'm just kidding. We're not reading it this episode. So that's when when I was a, a Ute in uh, in DC, and we used to have many more movie theaters. That's the one we would have called the adult theater, I believe. No. <laughs> All right. What was your no. question, Steve? <laughs> oh, my question was, was it worth the theater price? But Travis got in for free. I know it was, it was certainly worth it for me. I was just saying, is it worth seeing it in theater? Or do you, you feel like this could be a oh, wait for wait for VHS oh. or, you know, Betamax? While there are well, there's a lot that the film does visually to make you go, oh, 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 you really did that. Um, I wouldn't say that it's like visually stunning in the sense of a film where you're like if you're not seeing it in in the full format you're not really like yeah you can just wait for it to be on streaming whatever it's funny because i talked about john wick 2 today on that friends podcast which will go up in a bit there's only a few episodes of that show so far it's called port of dorks i don't know when that episode that i guested on to talk about john wick 2 is gonna be but i'll be on there talking about john wick 2 i'm talking about john wick 2 as a joke here on this podcast and i'm gonna talk about john wick 2 on the arbitrary archive so i'm just i'm really spreading the gospel of keanu across all of my channels he's just selling tickets left and right to this movie which is funny because I'm not. I, I'm just uh, obsessed with the idea of John Wick two more than I am the actual film. <laughs> I feel you. All right, don't set him off. With that being said, let's jump into some Pokemon news. Not a lot of news this week, but we'll start off with the first one: Pokemon Duel Update Version three point zero point one, that came out on February 9th, I believe. Pokemon Duel has received a small update to fix some minor bugs. This patch will upgrade the version, and it requires 163 megabytes to install. Nothing really stating what it did. Uh, Travis, are you still dueling? Are you still Pokemon dueling? I will admit I've been playing it less now that I've been playing the Fire Emblem iOS game, which I'm having more fun with. Oh, ooh. Ah, we brought a Pokemon because it's a Pokemon show, but... I want to hear your thoughts on the Fire Emblem game, and I want mostly because I want you to, you know, compare it. Because what I originally said is I believed that Pokemon Duel and Fire Emblem do hit kind of the same core target audience in strategy games. They are both top-down strategy games where you're controlling a set of four or so. It's more in Pokemon Duel, but just for the sake of it, four or so pieces that you move around a grid for battling purposes but i would say that that's where the similarities end someone i was talking to about pokemon duel described it as a little feeling a little more like more akin to chess or something like that where it's a lot about movement of pieces which is important in fire emblem as well but the i, I would say they are kind of different games they're, they're well not kind of they are significantly different games even though they're both strategy games i'll still play pokemon duel probably just about like once a day to get a login bonus and play a match or two but i have been investing more time into fire emblem and your first fire emblem game right yeah what are your impressions without playing any fire emblem game in the series would you say that this is the best one <laughs> i mean i i think it's very clear that they've dumbed down a lot of the mechanics <laughs> I like it. I've 
always been a fan of the a final lot of fantasy confidence tactics. in that right there <laughs> yeah i've always been a fan of the final fantasy tactics franchise so this is very similar although it doesn't have what i would argue is the best part of final fantasy tactics which is the robust job system but it's similar and enjoyable yeah i don't have a lot to say about the fire emblem heroes game other than it's pretty fun and the fan service is really troubling but you know whatever yeah you take what you can get right <laughs> i guess yeah well you are you did you play uh, dual still or boycotting fire emblem okay i've not been playing any of that no duel for you nope all right although i should i well okay so here's the problem i'm at the point in pokemon picross where the only stages I haven't crowned yet are the ones that are only use time skills, which basically means you get no assistance on determining which squares need to be filled and which squares need to be left empty. And since I only allot about seven minutes for Pokemon Picross every day, it's really hard for me to do those ones. Um, so I might just be primed to pick up Duel as my daily seven-minute routine. Yeah, after it's I good saw for that amount of time. Okay. After I saw the update, I'm now more more willing to give it a shot now that it seems to they seem to be starting to fix things with it. Not that I heard like clearly the game works, people are playing it, but I just I've heard from people I trust that it's just and I've said this before, slow, sluggish and whatnot. And I don't have a lot of patience when it comes to that. Next bit of news here is the wait is over, Sun and Moon expansion for the Pokemon TCG has officially launched. This Email came to me a bit ago, so we're a couple days late here. The Sun and Moon expansion comes with 140 all-new cards. This expansion includes three new theme decks and 40-plus brand-new Pokemon unique to the Alola region, including Alolan variants of classic Pokemon with new art and ability. Pokemon GX cards are also included, and rare Pokemon with powerful attacks can only be used once per game. For the TCG fans, you guys are probably already... Buying those cards up, more Pokemon spinoff games is Pokemon Go. Their Valentine's Day event is going live, uh, already went live, went live on February 8th, and it will go until February 15th. During this promotion, candy earned by catching, hatching, and transferring Pokemon is doubled. Buddy Pokemon can also find candy twice as often. Additionally, pink Pokemon such as Chansey and Clefable will appear more frequently in the wild during the event. Cleffa, Igglybuff, and Smoochum are more likely to hatch from eggs. Finally, lure modules will last six hours during the event instead of their usual half-hour duration. Man, six hours is long. It's pretty sweet. Getting the best value for your modules. Uh, both of you guys... I'm pretty sure both of you guys fell off Pokemon Go, but I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, well, I need to reinstall it so I can try it with my Apple Watch to find out if my Apple Watch does better than your Apple Watch. Well, I mean, since it's too I cold, <laughs> it is too cold. Since I complained, they have updated the Apple Watch app. Does it still crash? I don't know. I haven't tested it since. I'd be lying if I said I'd, I've I've been playing Pokemon Go Go, but like Travis said it's it's way too cold outside it's like 22 degrees here wisconsin i mean it's not that much warmer here so i don't want to hear it (laughs) (laughs) another bit of news here is sorari's yoshida's machamp is now available in japan 
I apologize for butchering that name. A Machamp inspired by a J- Japanese Olympic wrestler, Soraya Yoshida, will be distributed from, J- from February 8th to February 28th for Pokemon Sun and Moon. Yoshida appeared in a Japanese commercial for Pokemon Sun and Moon in January featuring Machamp. It will be available in Japan via 7Spot and 7-Eleven stores. Uh, and it will be at a couple other stores that I cannot pronounce via the 3DS stations at the store the stores operate and will also be available at Pokemon Center stores. The Machamp will be level 34, have the ability Guts, have no held item, and will know the moves Double Edge, Bulk Up, Strength, Quick Guard, and its original cha- trainer will be uh, Yoshida, and it will be featured in a Cherish Ball. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Also, J- Japan has 7-Elevens. That's pretty sweet. And apparently, what, uh, Japan is the land of the 7-Eleven. You know nothing of Japan. Se- they're Japan, the land they, of the 7-Eleven? They love convenience stores. Oh, I, I, I know that, but like 7-Eleven well, didn't 7-11 start. 7-Eleven is the king of the convenience store. They didn't start in Japan, though. That's what you made it seem like. No, they started in Texas, but right. trust me. That sounds sweet. If there's though. anything I've learned about Japan is they love convenience stores. I'm down with a good convenience store. We have a we have like one 7-Eleven in Milwaukee. I drove past it today. Closed, boarded up, completely shut down. So I don't know what I'm going to do on July 11th when it's free Slurpee day. Go to Chicago. So, it's, so now it's uh 7-0. <laughs> Real rough there. <laughs> no, I think it's really good because of why 7-Eleven is called 7-Eleven. Because isn't it called 7-Eleven? Because it was, when it originally opened, it was open 11 hours a day, seven days a week. Isn't that? I think that's our suspicion, yes. So, Wait, seven hours, seven zero. Seven days a week, 11 hours a day? I thought that's why it was called 7-Eleven. Okay. I, I suppose that makes sense. So, I, th- I think my joke was was very erudite very uh, it was a thinker um which okay. might have flown over the heads of, a, a of head my scratcher. co-hosts yeah i understand uh gts update the most used pokemon in pokemon refresh is still incineroar pokemon traded via the gts is 83 million and finally the global mission trade pokemon at the gts which uh ends at 7 p.m on february 13th which is monday so if you're listening to this monday morning you'll still have time the goal was one million pokemon they have successfully hit the goal at three million two hundred and twenty two thousand pokemon traded over the gts which i believe gives you like two thousand bottle caps or something like that if you participate no no it doesn't give you no, bottle no, caps. No, 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 no. Festival coins? Battle points. Festival coins. Festival coins. Oh, no, it is battle points, I think. No, it's festival coins. It? Trust oh, me, okay. yes. What can I buy with festival <laughs> hey, coins? Can I buy no, bottle caps? Be too many battle points. What do people want? Do people want coins? Do they want points? Do they want bottle caps? Well, you use your festival coins to update your festival plaza so that you get the lottery that gives you bottle caps. Correct. What if Come I, on, I, that's just basic. Give, just give me the bottle caps. No, well, no, there no, are other no. things that you can do in Festival Plaza other than receive bottle caps. Look, I want to have fun when I play Pokemon. No, that's not allowed. <laughs> Apparently not. You're not even. I mean, the Festival Plaza is where it's at. Yeah, clearly, it's clearly. Not. 
So yeah, if you haven't done so already, trade at least one Pokemon through the GTS, which I plan to do after I'm done recording this, and then I'm going to release that Pokemon in the wild because I don't trust its its authenticity. You know what? I can make this easy for you, Steve. Just sign up for the global comp- the global event in your festival plaza, and don't even touch the GTS. Just signing up gets you the reward. Really? Yes, sir. Huh. All right. Cool. I'm down with that. That's easy These enough. millennials, they don't have to work for anything. Good. Perfect. <laughs> you get a partace- participation trophy. <laughs> awesome. Get all my coins. Well, I guess uh, we'll find out next week if that works, but it's, it, it seems like it, work, it would work because it's a global effort, right? Correct. All right. Well, then, uh, what we'll do is we will take a quick break, and when we come back, we have some emails and our Pokemon of the week. Garbage. 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 And we are back from our break. Let's tackle some emails. Let's email it up. Email City. If you have any emails for us, any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, Pokemon or non-Pokemon related, do not hesitate to send us an email. Uh, that email address is sbj at p-k-m-n-c-a-s-t pokemonpodcast.com or you can go over to pokemonpodcast.com and hit the contact button and that will get you to the same place. First email here is from Will. Will, you're you're on the show. You don't have to write in. Well, sometimes I like to exercise my creative energies in alternative methods, mediums. All right, all right. Will from Indiana, so it looks like you traveled too. The only Will in Indiana, I'm sure. I wish I lived in Indiana. Do you? (laughs) I don't think anyone has ever said that. (laughs) There are so many cute guys in Indiana. It's just like the cute guy state, so whatever. Dear Pokemon Podcast crew, Travis, you have no idea the monster magic lore has become. (laughs) Magic has grown to the point where... (laughs) Talking about Magic the Gathering and the word monster before could also be supplemented for like gigantic or huge or... I know without seeing the words I might not have made sense maybe it did maybe i'm just rambling no i think it made perfect sense okay cut it out cut it out cut it out magic has grown to the point where there there's more lore added every week sets come out every three months each with its own world and lore that explored leading up to and after the set is released there's also two or three supplemental products each year that have their own lore around them Some of them have entire sets in addition to the main four each year, and others are pre-constructed decks that expand on old characters and introduce new ones. It's actually gotten pretty crazy to keep up with, uh, to keep up with it as much as I can, and it's only growing. Also, yes, Jace is a character, and there are several angels. Question for all of you. All right, now we're (laughs) to the Pokemon stuff. Will just wanted to clear up the magic lore. I just, I guess I apologize for assuming there that magic lore was only released at such a 
frequency that you could theoretically just backlog a lot of episodes and release them. I apologize for that in some assumption about the amount of things that Wizards of the Coast is saying about Yawgmoth. <laughs> See, I know more magic things than I, I didn't know at the top of my head last week, so I've been thinking about the things I know about magic in about a week in case this came up again. Yawgmoth, that's another name. Black Lotus. Now, Black Lotus is not a character. Black Lotus is a card from the original <laughs> set of the game that was too broken and therefore it costs a lot of money but it's yeah. not it's illegal to use it illegal it's not against the law <laughs> you get arrested yeah uh yeah can you pull over uh ma'am uh is that a is that a black lotus in your passenger seat is it is that a miss is that a deck of magic cards that you have there i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna have to see your deck i think i see a time walk at uh, a few <laughs> cards down miss can i ask you where you got this black lotus can you, is, ma- you notice i actually play tcgs and i'm not car. participating in this conversation <laughs> <laughs> a question for all of you this is still from will by the way what do you think about the current methods of attaining competitively viable pokemon game freak keeps adding new features with every release that makes the getting perfect ivs ev training and leveling easier they also take away features too as we come to expect I've never never liked that you had to breed boxes worth of Pokemon to get a single good one or having to soft reset legendaries to get a specific hidden power type. It took me hours of soft resetting both Tapu Koko and Tapu Lele to get them with HP fire, hidden power fire, though part of it may have to do with my compulsion to catch everything in Premier Balls exclusively. I don't know if I would want it to be easy as something like Pokemon Showdown where everything's available to you, but what you have to do is still boring and tedious. Love the show, but everyone but Will, hands down, is my favorite. This is no way influenced by him having the same name as me. Steve, I could take or leave. Will from Indiana. <laughs> that was kind of a confusing ending. Does he like me or does he not like me? Will, hands down, is my favorite. Oh, okay. I think you left out the hands down part. Oh, maybe I did. My mistake. No, I oh, um. <laughs> I, uh, I like the changes. I, because I mean, if you do notice, there has been a trade off that, yes, it's now much easier to get perfect IVs without having to breed, breed, breed till the end of days, um, to get perfect IVs or to get a mysterious six IV ditto from Japan, like everybody seems to have the same one. But, it, they've made it now much harder to get your Pokemon up to level 100, which they have to be in order to use bottle caps to get their IVs improved. But think about it this way. When you're getting one Pokemon up to level 100, you are focusing all the work on that one Pokemon and not just aimlessly generating eggs and trying to get the eggs to have the right IVs. Does that make sense? Am I saying something real here? Yeah, no, it does. Also... In Sun and Moon, there's no good place to get your Pokemon to level 100 unless somebody has figured that out since the first couple of weeks of the game. Uh, somebody posted something on Slack, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Is it just Elite Four? What at the time? And I, I apologize if I'm if I'm not up to date with the information, but at the time, I heard that grinding the Elite Four was the best way to level. Uh, grinding the Elite Four with a lucky egg and a rainbow. What is those bean? Rainbow bean. Is, is what I've heard, but I once again, I, there was a document that I didn't read, so there may be an even better method than that. I think we've talked about this before, and I would say that my opinion on the matter hasn't changed that much. 
I like the the fundamental concept of Pokemon having natures and Eevees and Ivies and abilities and genders and all these variables that can make a single Pokemon extremely unique. My problem with it is at the end of the day, none of it really matters that much. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is Ash's Greninja for a good exa- is a good example, the one you get in the demo that you can transfer over to Sun and Moon. I'm pretty sure there was only one nature that people wanted from that thing. Uh, timid, yes. I spent about three hours on Saturday afternoon this past Saturday soft resetting for my timid Ash Greninja. And it's... So there's your example. And so that's three hours to get a nature that is quote-unquote the meta or the best for Greninja at the time. And maybe it changes, you know, in, 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 in two years when they, you know, Greninja learns a new move or something meta happens or whatnot. But even so, competitive-wise, it's not, it stops making it special. And even if you get the, if everyone has the timid Greninja, the clear-cut route there is to get the perfect IVs for it. And usually, the EV spread is exactly the same. And you could argue, well, you know, this is just the most competitive, viable Greninja at the time. And okay, sure. But that still, that still invalidates all the other possible EV spreads or IVs or natures. Well, not IVs, because I guess you can just get perfect IVs on everything once it gets to 100. The natures of that Greninja. And if it's not this, it doesn't matter. And that is something Will was saying. Will in the email was saying that, you know, he they never enjoyed breeding tons of boxes of Pokemon just to get one good one or software setting for legendaries. And I think that is still a problem in Pokemon. And I don't know how they solve that. Obviously, or at least it doesn't make sense to get rid of natures. It doesn't make sense to get rid of Eevees. I don't know, but. At the same time, no one's taking advantage of those unique abilities. It's not like if 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 Greninja had okay, you have a timid Greninja that's okay, and you have a hasty Greninja that's okay. Okay, I could see more of an argument for for you know having these unique natures, but it, it never comes down to that. It only comes down to okay, this is Lugia, this is Ho. These are the natures you need to get. There are no other good possibilities. So software. A lot of the time, there are two that are good. You either want the speed increase, but yeah, yeah. But even still, your point stands. It's it's just frustrating, and it's not perfect. And I don't know how they fix that, but I don't know. I but I I I completely agree. I don't know how you fix that. My my whole solution back a couple years ago was, hey, when you go to a tournament, why don't you just you know rent. Like, have a showdown situation where you just pick your Pokemon, you pick the nature, you pick the moves, and call it a day. The problem is philosophical, because, and and I would argue that that's central to this issue, is the philosophy of the franchise. Because the reason those elements exist in the first place is so when little Timmy completes his game and he's comparing his team to his friends... He notices that, wow, his Minior has a higher attack than Special Attack, but Susan's Minior has a higher Special Attack than Attack. My Minior is unique. Mine is different than hers. And there's something valuable in that, right? The idea that 
that Pokemon is yours. And the way in which the franchise chooses to do that is through all these systems of natures, EVs, and IVs. And that's pretty cool. But when it comes to battling, like you mentioned, there is often one optimal setup for that Pokemon. And if not one, then maybe two or in very infrequent circumstances, three. And that's less cool because then the game just becomes there is one perfect permutation of this Pokemon and everyone is trying to achieve it, which is sort of flying in the face of this is perfectly my Minior, uh, to continue the example. Now your Minior is just suboptimal, which isn't great for the franchise. But because of those same because of that same philosophy that every Pokemon has to be yours, they can't completely get rid of the mechanic. And I would argue that they're even in a bind competitively for that reason, because even though it is not like this, they want the competitive scene to look like these are trainers who have built a relationship with their team and they're bringing in their squad of Pokemon that they have a relationship with, because that's what the, the presentation is franchise like, yeah. is all about. Yeah, anyone who plays in VGC knows that's really not the... I mean, there is some extent where you build the team so you feel for it, but you engineered those Pokemon to be precisely how they are. It's not like they were born with quirks and you worked around them. You're never going to do that. You're always going to bring whatever the best EV spread or the most like counter-meta spread for Alolan Marowak that there is uh, and bring that with you and and it's and so it's this weird circumstance of they need it to keep their philosophy that every pokemon is unique to you alive but at the same time it also necessitates the idea that there is only one perfect version of a pokemon and that dichotomy is kind of strange um to answer the question more directly i would say that i like that the game is making it easier and easier to be able to reach that optimal version of the Pokemon just for the sake of making it easier to enter competitive play. There is, though, the disillusionment of having it more and more visible how factual it is that there is an optimal permutation of any given Pokemon, and that's kind of kind of breaks the fantasy of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, if I was if I was to make a suggestion or I was to want to see some sort of change in this ecosystem, I I would look at two other games that are competitive that I play a lot and I'll just use them as reference and hopefully I won't dwell on it too much, but uh let's take uh Destiny, for example, and let's take Clash Royale, for example. Going off what was originally said by Travis and myself, you fall into this pattern with Pokemon where one nature, maybe another nature, is the only nature you want for a specific Pokemon. And I think that that could be solved in at least one way. And I'm not saying it's perfect. It's just a suggestion. It's just a talking point. I think there are, what, like 20-some natures? Hardy, I have a list up here. Anyways, there's there's a ton of natures. What could be done in in the future and this obviously this won't happen but what could be done is you bring down the amount of you still keep all the natures but you don't apply all the natures to a pokemon so for example instead of ashwat 
having 20 natures, Oshawott maybe has only four possible natures. Maybe you can only get bold Oshawots or timid Oshawots or calm Oshawots and then maybe quirky Oshawots. So you know now in this family that these are the four natures they have and they benefit Oshawott in a better way than how 20 natures would benefit Oshawott. And you see something like that in Destiny where, okay, this is a gun. These are all the possible... Boring! You mentioned Destiny. These are are all the possible abilities, the roles the gun can have. So, for example, this gun can have this ability, but you won't see that ability on any other gun. That being said, those abilities are random when you pick up the gun. I'll, I'll just use an example. I have this hand cannon called the Palindrome. Anyone can buy that palindrome. Uh, that hand cannon has the same role because you buy it from a store vendor. But it is possible to get dropped a palindrome with different roles, and those roles can be better or worse depending on your playstyle. That being said, I have gotten four or five palindromes since then that don't seem better than the palindrome I bought from the vendor. Irene, though, got a palindrome with the role I wanted, and it's an extremely good gun. Now, you could say, well, Steve, that means that Irene has the advantage on the play field because I have to rely on luck or chance to get that gun. And technically, in Pokemon, you have to rely on luck and chance when you encounter a Pokemon, of course. Uh, But you have options around that with breeding. But with that being said, just because somebody has a better role on a gun doesn't mean that automatically makes them a better player. And you see that in Pokemon. Just because somebody has a team that is to the T, meta, perfect IVs, perfect natures, perfect moves, doesn't mean they're automatically going to win. It doesn't mean they're better. There's still that skill of applying yourself uh, when playing a competitive game. And the same thing with Clash Royale. Somebody can spend more money than me in Clash Royale uh, and have better cards they can lay down a level 12 barbarians when my barbarians are only level 10. And by default, the level 12 is going to beat the level 10. But that doesn't mean I don't have other cards to try to counter and still have the possibility and the chance to win, even though I am at a disadvantage because they spent money and I didn't. And I think that 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 concept I'm trying to explain is something Pokemon is missing. And I think it comes down to they make it very hard or they, they put a lot of walls up to get a Pokemon with a perfect nature or to get a Pokemon with perfect IVs or perfect EVs, at the end of the day, you can still get there no matter what. And in other games, you other games, there's still that luck factor of like, okay, if I play enough, maybe I'll get there. And I'm not saying either one is good or bad, but I'm saying at least in Destiny, even though I've played it for you know, 1500 hours or whatever, I still get excited when I get a palindrome ro- like drop for me and I, I, I get super excited. I look at it and it might be better, it might be worse, but it's still that excitement. In Pokemon, I never get that. And I should not have that feeling. When I encounter a Halucha in the wild for the first time, I should be excited. But in the back of my head, all I think about is, well, I'm going to add it to my Pokedex, but I know I know, I can tell you right now that Halucha is worthless. It probably has the wrong nature. It probably has one, if I'm lucky, one perfect IV. I'm going to have to, you know, find an area to EV train it, and this isn't the correct area, so it has to sit in my box until I get there because I don't want to level it up because I don't want to mess up the EVs. There's so many things that go through your head when you encounter a Pokemon, and none of them is, oh, man, 
that's a Pokemon I want in my party, and that's a Pokemon that I want to take a journey with. It's it's always it's always oh okay, that's a Pokemon for my Pokedex. Well, I guess I'll breed two hundred of them until I get the one I want. That's just my thoughts on it. I think that's the way you think. I encounter a Pokemon, I'm like, oh my gosh, that little bee guy is so cute, and then I keep it all the way through the Elite Four, and his name is Rabombi. I mean, I keep cute. I keep all my Pokemon through the Elite Four because I like it. I like the Pokemon I catch and use throughout the game, and I I do form the you know quote unquote bond that Pokemon wants me to form with my team. What com what person at a competitive level in the final thirty two or the final sixty four? How many of those people have Pokemon that they formed a bond with in in a story sense or an encounter sense? And not everyone plays the story, and that's yeah, fine. How many of those people actually finish the entire story? And uh, <laughs> how many of those people have actually bred their own Pokemon for themselves versus having somebody right. else do it? And I'm not mm. telling people how to play. Like, if somebody doesn't like the story, if that's if if competitive Pokemon is what brings them to, if competitive Pokemon is what brings them to Pokemon, and that's what they enjoy the most, that's fine. Pokemon has always kind of been about discovery, and you know that 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 chance of getting that chance or surprise of, of, of an encounter or a battle or there's like that discovery factor. And when, when you go down that route of, okay, I'm just going to breed 200 of them until I get what I want. That really takes away from it. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm looking more for games that like have that surprise factor, like, you know, fire emblem heroes or clash Royale where, you know, I open a chest or I, I do the stupid orb thing in Fire Emblem and I, you know, I get a hero that seems really cool or, you know, something I wanted. And in Pokemon, when I, you know, encounter or in Pokemon, when you encounter a shiny like that is super exciting. But when you encounter a shiny in, in Pokemon, it, it goes back to my original statement of like, in my, in my back of my head, I know, okay, this shiny is not going to be able to be used for battle. It probably doesn't have perfect IVs. It probably has the wrong nature. It's just going to sit in a box. Because I know that Pokemon I encounter in the wild are just not good Pokemon. Sometimes they are. Sometimes. But when you only have like a 1 in 4,000 chance to get a shiny Pokemon, I don't know what the chances are for like 5 out of 6 IVs or what the natures are for Pokemon. Like 1 out of 24 chances to get the nature you wanted on the on the Slowpoke that you encountered. If you're not doing anything to make those chances easier very unlikely yeah if you're not using a synchronizer but hey who just bred 50 abras so they have a synchronizer in every nature mr will anderson but but for me i'm not in i'm not into the competitive scene so when when it comes to ev training or ivs or the bottle cap thing i just don't care because i'm never going down that route there's no incentive for me to get a Pokemon to level 100 because anytime you battle somebody, they're at 50 anyways, right? And I don't plan on battling anyone. It's just not something I really enjoy that much. How's about you get a Pokemon to level 100 because you love that Pokemon and you want to see it excel in every way that it possibly can? Okay, and do what? There's zero content in the game that allows for any use of a level 100 Pokemon. <laughs> You travel around and say, "Look at my level one hundred chess bin." If you were to be, if you were to say, "Oh, there's a couple trainers in this tower that have level ninety and ninety five Pokemon, and if you can beat them, you get this special item." Okay, cool. You gave me an incentive. You gave me a, a goal to work towards. 
everything does not have to be teleological. Sometimes you just do things just because. That's fair. Sorry. Somebody somebody wake up, Travis. Hey, sometimes you got to think outside of the box with these. I want Pokemon to be... I think we're thinking squarely in the box. I want Pokemon to be the best possible game it can, and I don't think right now the systems in place are the best possible systems. Alex writes in from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Whoa! That's where I lived like two months ago, and I'm very close to you. Hey, SBJ, Travis, and Will wanted to shout out to Travis as I am currently in my last semester at GVSU, and I plan on It's moving- a real university! I plan on moving to Grand Rapids very soon. Also, I'm a new listener. I found you during your Sun and Moon episodes. Sorry if this, these questions have been asked before. Wait, wait. Can I just... Can we interrupt this this emailer for what? For how many years have I been doing this? And not once has somebody from Georgetown University <laughs> written in, <laughs> but somebody from Sweet Valley High State it's not College. What it's called. That's not what it's called. And that's not the first time someone has said to me... Oh, I went to or go to Grand Valley. In fact, I think I can't remember if it was uh, Jeff who was on season one of Mythical, our sideshow. I can't remember if he said that he knew someone from Grand Valley or just someone from Grand Rapids. But I think he also knew someone from Grand Valley. There was someone when I was in college who listened to the show and we both went to grand valley and then i forgot to ever meet up with that person whoops and now this person so there's a lot of there's a lot of gvsu representation (laughs) it was a dig at georgetown university not grand valley state university the sweet valley you do still refuse to call it anything but sweet valley high so isn't that the babysitter babysitter club books well no it's the sweet valley high books but go on (laughs) The question was, what would each of you be as a Pokemon type? You can determine this via appearance, skill, etc., just not based on your favorite. Also, if the Nintendo Switch were to drop a Pokemon game in the future, what changes would you be interested in seeing? What are your predictions? Thanks. Keep up the great content. Alex, also in parentheses, said that they would be a fire type uh, from Grand Rapids. I think we might have answered this question before. But if you were to be a type of Pokemon, I guess I would be a water type. Why? Why is that a question? Because I feel like that's what I've answered in the past, and I I can't think of anything else I'd want to. You do be. not have to be consistent with your past selves. Be be your today self. My today self would say water. You sound so disappointed in yourself. No, I just my today self would be water. My today self would be water. Uh, I would be ice dragon. <laughs> all right dual typing it up when i've answered this in the past i've said ice because i am a, a cold-hearted individual but because the question asker asker specifically mentioned don't just pick your favorite i shouldn't just pick ice type because ice is my favorite type so instead for fun i'll say something else and this time i will say that i am poison type because i ruin everything i touch so destructive. Uh, <laughs> it's not on purpose. It's just everything I touch dies. Uh, if Nintendo Switch were to drop a Pokemon game in the future, what changes would you be in- interested in seeing? All right, so let's talk about EVs, IVs, and no. natures. Yeah. I got opinions on that. What would you be interested in seeing in the future? I don't know. I feel like some days I could think of of 
requests that I would want. And now, like, today I, I am kind of stuck on the whole EVIV. The the one change that, the one thing that I would want, and this has kind of been a constant that I've said before, if you were to ask me this question four years ago or even three years ago, I would have said I want it, I want a place to store my Pokemon so if my cartridge dies, said Pokemon are safe, and that thing happened, which is Pokemon Bank, what I would want from a corp, a, a new Pokemon game that wouldn't happen with the Switch, but what I would want is I would want an online based Pokemon game where people can't cheat and hack Pokemon and that's what I would want and that won't happen probably ever but just like in like World of Warcraft or Diablo or Overwatch I just named three Blizzard games or Destiny or any mobile game like Pokemon Shuffle or Candy Crush or Clash Royale you cannot cheat and I like that a lot that would be my request I would like a Pokemon game with very intuitive UI and a seamless way to trade and battle with friends on the internet. Buzzwords, Travis. Seamless. Not, I like I mean, seamless. <laughs> it was only seamless. How else really? would you describe what? How much would you describe what what I want without using those words? You know what I mean when I say I would, that. I would want a forward-thinking, digitally enhanced way to communicate augmented reality <laughs> use oh, <laughs> just keep going buzzwords off each other uh all right no that did you, are, were you not satisfied with the ui choices in sun and moon pokemon has had better ui than sun and moon heart gold and soul silver is the one that constantly comes up but i would even argue that diamond and pearl has more useful ui there are some confusing choices. We've mentioned how literally everyone on the planet didn't, didn't, that's not true. A lot of people didn't know that you could pick up all of the beans by clicking and dragging until they heard that you can do it on this podcast when we told them that that was a possibility. The methodology for registering one of the ride Pokemon to a D-pad isn't immediately communicated, and I didn't understand that until i had already beaten the game and someone told me how to do that um i mean sun and moon doesn't have the worst ui of any pokemon game but it's not the best and you would think that it would at least be as good as an average modern video game and i don't think that pokemon always even hits that mark and we've already talked about how much more frustrating that festival plaza is to use in comparison to Gen 6's methodology for interacting with friends on the internet. Well, so I would just like to see possibly a move, especially with the Switch, to some sort of like a visual interactive and a move away from menu-based interactive. And maybe more like a HUD as opposed to uh, a menu system for, for doing things. Kind of more like Destiny and Monster Hunters HUD than than what we get with Pokemon, where the upper screen is kind of free and clear of all information, and and like you know massively online interactive. Great question. We should take another break, and when we come back, we got a couple more emails and a Pokemon of the week. So we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back.
And we are back. Next email here is from Cole from New Jersey. Hey, SBJ and crew. I just wanted to say I love the podcast and what you are doing. However, when Will mentioned that Torterra, Will mentioned Torterra as being a worse starter than Chikorita, I instantly had to write in to tell him how great Torterra is. If you need a if you need a ride somewhere, Torterra can take you there. Can Cyndaquil do that? Not that I don't like Cyndaquil, however. Typhlosion is garbage. All I'm asking is for you to reconsider your position on Terra Will. Also, Travis okay. is the best. All right. Hey. Number, number one, there is a concept which... Uh, Ooh, that sounded terrible. <laughs> I, hadn't, I guess I'm not warmed up anymore after playing at the beginning of the show. Wow, that I, sounded I also bad. enjoy that you're playing taps for yourself as your celebration That's not, ta- that's not taps. That it's was like a interval, but it's not even close to this... It's the same interval, but it's not even close to the same rhythm. And Taps is not triumphant like that little fanfare is. Uh, Will. All right. (laughs) In the universe that we as physical beings inhabit, there is no such thing as a perpetual energy device wherein you can basically have unlimited energy to power your machinery without, you know, some expenditure of fuel. But a Cyndaquil... You give a berry, and you get a furnace. You could power a freaking car off of the back of a Cyndaquil and drive all over Lavender Town. Torterra is too big. It is asymmetrical, because one side's got a tree, the other side's got a rock or something dumb like that. (laughs) Asymmetrical (laughs) equals bad and wrong. And you're going to have a real uncomfortable ride because you're either going to be hanging onto that tree as it lumbers along or sitting on a rock. And, you know, how long can you sit on a rock? Not for very long, I'll tell you that. Cyndaquil powers your car. You're sitting in luxury. You're you're in a Cadillac. Lap of luxury is wonderful. Torterra is no Cadillac, dude. There you go. Adam from Ohio writes in, probably my guess would be the only Adam in Ohio. Hey, Pokemon Podcast crew, I am a longtime fan of the show. I just wanted to say thanks for all the hours of entertainment that you have given me along the years. I started around episode 35 or whenever Travis just started getting involved with the show. Just wanted to ask everyone's favorite memory of being involved with the show. By the way, Travis is the best. Whoa, two in a row. Um, You know, he picks these. P.S. Uh, if I, I don't, that's the thing. The the thing is here, I do pick the emails, but no one ever writes in and says I'm the best. We've already Wait, gone through did, your... like last week. Yeah, one person. You guys both get Travis and Will are the best like four times an episode. No one's favorite character on a TV show is the main character, so oh, people just pick one of us. Okay, all right, sure. <laughs> P.S. I was looking for cities to move in the Midwest after graduating college, and I was looking at Milwaukee, just wondering what your thoughts on the city's pros and cons are. Uh, so I guess that question so, is more for me, but going back no, to the no, first No, 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 that's for me. Pros of Milwaukee has a very nice uh, arts community, open, uh, very welcoming. It has a lot of cute little places you can go to. If you're into Harley's, obviously that's a big segment of the population there. And um, the weather is mild and comfortable. All right. What were you saying? Milwaukee is the worst, but I'll get to that. Uh, favorite memory of the podcast, Travis? 
You got one? Mm, I'll have to think a little longer. Either of you, do you already have your answers? All right, you guys can think. I'll complain about Milwaukee for a second. Oh, wait, no, I already I know my answer, but I'm not allowed to talk about it because there's a moratorium on talking about the thing that we did. Oh, right. Yep. There's a really cool thing we did this fallish that I can't say, but other than that, I would say that going to VGC with all the pals was really fun. Uh, what would be my favorite podcast moment? So I just think of like of recording in and every single time we record, it's incredibly uncomfortable. My none of my furniture is comfortable. And I have to sit in it for hours at a time, or I'm sitting on the floor to record, which is also very uncomfortable. I think maybe when it was episode 100 and I went to let my friend's dog out and I went out the back of his house and the door locked behind me and the way that backyards are in DC, you can't, I mean, if you're in the backyard, you're stuck. You <laughs> and I had to get somebody to get the keys and throw them over a church wall and then just to make it home in time to record episode 100. There you go. I don't know if that's a delightful memory, but that's memory nonetheless. I would say uh, one of my favorite parts of the show would just be recording with some of our guests, like uh, Gaijin Hunter or Austin Creed from WWE or Dan Reichert from Giant Bob. I think those were just really cool uh, things that I did. Uh, so back to Adam's question about the Midwest and Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is a terrible city. Personally, I've lived here <laughs> for like 26, 25 years of the 28 years I've been alive or something like that. Milwaukee has the Brewers and they have the Bucks and they have whatever sports that people enjoy. And that's really big. And so if you're into sports, that's that's a draw that Milwaukee brings. The other big thing that I would say that Will didn't mention, which is probably the biggest draw, would be the beer scene of having all these beer brewing companies around Milwaukee and even in the suburbs of Milwaukee. Like, that's a big thing. I think Cudahy, which is... Uh, a smaller city on the south side of Milwaukee has like more bars per any other kind of building in their city. There's just bars everywhere in Milwaukee and people, I guess, like that. I don't. I don't drink. I've said that before. I don't care for it. I don't go to bars, but they exist everywhere. And that is what people want to do in Milwaukee. And that's cool. That's not for me. Uh, so those are kind of the two big things. There is somewhat of an art scene, but that's mostly downtown Milwaukee. There's not a ton of terrible, like, there's not a ton of, like, little shops and, and unique places that uh, you would think, kind of, once you've been there once or twice, that that's really all there is to it. And the, the, these problems, or maybe they're not problems, maybe you love sports and beer and Milwaukee's the place for you. But these these things probably exist in other cities. I've been to a lot of other cities. I can't say that there's one that stands out as being like my favorite city to be. I just don't particularly particularly like Milwaukee. I don't like some of the rules and regulations they have at a at a city level or even a state level, but that's that's just me. I don't really want to pay an extra thirty dollar pothole tax on my registration license on top of my already $120 registration fee just because Milwaukee wants to charge you 30 bucks to fill your potholes and they still don't anyways, but that's just me being bitter. 
and renewing my license last week, but uh, my registration. Why do you choose to live there? I choose to live here because Irene has a job that she works at and she likes a lot. Technically, I can work anywhere because I'm salary and I can work remotely. So it doesn't matter where I live. I can still do my job. If I already got a different job, wherever that would be, I would move in a heartbeat. Wow. What if there were no Buffalo Wild Wings where you moved to? You know, that's a tough call. Also, a big like complaint is that a lot of my really good friends have moved out of Milwaukee to other places, and that's a bummer. Ah, uh, now you know how I feel. I used to be a flabebe, and then all my friends left Washington, <laughs> D.C., and I turned into a curum. Tommy from Columbus, Ohio writes in, uh, says, the main reason for this email is I wanted to ask if you ever considered doing an interview of YouTuber Verlicify. They make great content on and how-to videos, and they have a strong anti-cheating stance when it comes to the VGC realm. I don't know if you've reached out to them in the past or if you if they wanted to be on your show. We'll admit that they are a rather div- diverse figure in the PokeTuber community, but I do really like their content, and I would hope that you would give them some thought. Tommy, uh, I just pulled this email because it was more of a general question upon the youtubers and the other po- people in the pokemon community i don't know if you guys and, have heard and of also this. um i'm i'm pretty sure the word he was looking for was not diverse but divisive because that's what Ver- divisive Verlicify yes. is known for for being abrasive and caustic for sometimes possibly no reason other than to raise drama as us gay people like to say i don't know their content i've never watched them i don't watch a lot of pokey youtubers every guest i've gotten on i I am a personal fan of in in some aspect or another uh and so that that is important to me in general though i have at least heard from our slack community that they would want to see more guests on the show that are not youtubers not saying that we wouldn't or we're stopping having YouTubers on the show. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that currently I am looking at people outside of the YouTube community and I haven't really focused on the YouTube community. Not that I spend a lot of time there, but I am looking outside of that for now. But I don't know. I don't know if you guys were big fans of somebody else. I mean, Travis was a big fan of Griffin and I got Griffin on. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Correct. O- only Travis is a McElroy fan. Sure. Yes. Okay. Right. Correct. I mean, I'm a big fan of Stanley Kubrick. Can we get Stanley Kubrick on? I Who's think that? that might be a little more difficult. Uh, I, did, I like Steve's response better. Who's that? Who's <laughs> that? <laughs> Only one of the greatest film directors of all time. Director all right. of I'll see what I The can Shining. Do. I'll, I'll text him. 2001 Space Odyssey. Only if your texts go beyond the grave. Yep. To the Overlook Hotel clockwork orange like the list goes on does it travis yeah like eyes, uh, eyes wide shut yeah the list does go on eyes wide shut 2001 a space odyssey yeah, can we get that, that one? one yeah there's the really the, the one like so boring that he got bored making it halfway through that's like a biography of someone that i've never seen um taxi driver did you do that one i don't uh Ooh. Never de- he, one one film he nah, didn't direct Scorsese. was uh, Pokemon a movie two thousand. Taxi Driver is Scorsese. 
Stanley Kubrick did no Pokemon movies. And he he should have. You know, it would have been right up his wheelhouse. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a great one. He could have done the uh, the Victini movie. <laughs> he could have. That was, There is an alternate universe where Stanley Kubrick directed the Victini movie, and it's exactly <laughs> the same Victini movie that we got. With two alternate versions, of course. Yeah, one yeah. with Zekrom and one with Reshiram. Like, that's the weird thing about, about multiple worlds theory, is that not only is every world possible, but just very specific ones like that. There's a world where Travis is Will and Will is Travis. I believe it. Well, but no one I is mean, Steve. <laughs> this, is, this is clearly the best of all possible worlds, as I think that was Leibniz who posited that we're in the best of all possible worlds. Worlds, Wilhelm Gottfried Leibniz. Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz? It's the second uh, one. This is not philosophical cast. Nope. And it might not Next. even be Leibniz who said that. Next question. Final question. From Riley from Victoria, Australia, in parentheses, not Perth. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> hey guys, I just I recently started listening during the Sun and Moon uh episodes and I've been loving it every week. Everyone on the show adds a positive and unique personality to the show and it only draws you in more. Kudos to everyone and keep up the good work. Will is my favorite just FYI. Well, thank you. Uh my question is today we had just had the Pokémon Bank release. Uh, how do you think that? It, how do you think it will impact the current VGC meta? Maybe something like Stealth Rock Skarmory. Also, what will be? What was or will be your first Pokemon you bring across from Pokemon Bank? My favorite was Breloom. Cheers, guys. Riley. So the in the highest level, the effect on the Pokemon meta will be the ability to breed uh, egg moves onto Alolan Pokemon that they previously have not had access to. So one of the ones that I've seen as an example um, in our Slack discussions, just to bring that up again, is Slazzle will get access to Fake Out as an egg move, which it did not have access to before. And Fake Out can be a very powerful move in VGC doubles, um, so there will be other egg moves that will be discovered and be, will become breedable uh, within the VGC 2017 context um, that will change up the meta somewhat. And I don't think that we've had sufficient time to see how that's going to tumble out yet uh, for what are going to be the top tier teams um, with these new egg moves. But I'm sure somebody's done some predictions and thoughts on it. I honestly wouldn't anticipate that much of a difference. I also don't believe that the suggestion posited by the email writer will pan out the uh, the idea of Skarmory getting more usage because of Stealth Rock, simply because, and it's kind of the reason Skarmory doesn't really get used generally in VGC, is because entry hazards are not that great in Bring 4 doubles. You're not really getting a lot of usage out of them, there's less switching, and... There are fewer Pokemon, so it's not as strong as it is in singles. So I wouldn't see that. Uh, yeah, I th- uh, Salazzle is the one that came to mind for me immediately. I'm sure people who know the format in and out would say that there's a much more obvious example, but that's the one that came to mind. I, I mean, the game is you know has has changed a little bit in the uh, just as things have have played out like. 
fewer people are using Tapu Lele, and more people, believe it or not, are using Arcanine. It's be- Arcanine's become the number one most used, but I don't think it's going to be that some Pokemon that wasn't even in the the running in the terms of, of frequent usage will suddenly jump into it. And for that reason, I don't even think Salazzle will make that much of a difference, yeah, but no. maybe some sort of, uh, at least a presence in the meta as opposed to kind of not really being in it. Although Salazzle can Oko a Kartana, so... I don't know what, how, maybe that's just, is Cartana, that's not it, is it? Yeah, it is. Cartana, like the, Cartana like is used, yeah. Cortana? Um, yeah. Master Chief. But ultimately, but... the 2017 meta is defined by the Tapus and the Ultra Beasts. None of those are breedable. So opening up Pokemon Bank does nothing to change the influence of those Pokemon right. in the game, in the competitive scene. I don't think Travis has Pokemon Bank. That's correct, so I can't answer the second question of which Pokemon I'm bringing up through it. I brought all my Pokemon uh, from Bank to Sun and Moon. The first ones I brought over were my box of legendaries, most being the special event legendaries that they did all throughout 2016. And my Pokemon Bank is completely disorganized, so I'm just going to dump those suckers in, take them out. Don't matter. Yeah, no, no mine's, firsties. mine's pretty disorganized too. I have some organization. I at least have like I have two boxes with legendaries. I have then a box of special event Pokemon, like my world Scraggy, the Ash Pikachu that you could get for toys from Toys R Us. And then I have a box of Pokemon that were bred for me for VGC competitions that I used in the two years I competed. And then I I started organizing pokemon by type like a ghost box a water box obviously one box doesn't hold them all but i started at least organizing what i what i did have i don't know if that's the best way to do it or just do it in dex number and i am starting to think about what team i'm going to build for my son playthrough i definitely am 97 percent certain it's gonna have volcarona on it but then the other five i don't know what i'm gonna breed for that so <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. It's just your Volcarona dedication, that's all. Volcarona, Talonflame, give me all the fire types. All the fire types. Even though I've got an ice-cold heart. Hmm. Thank you, everyone that wrote in. If you have any emails that you want to write in, sbj at pkmncast.com or pokemonpodcast.com slash contact. Send us uh, anything anything and or everything that you want. And we will attempt to read it and talk about it. Thank you to everyone who wrote in today. I'm going to toss it over to Travis. They're going to do the Pokemon of the week. And uh, then we'll wrap up the show. I pretty arbitrarily picked Miss Magius. I like that Pokemon. It's not one of my favorites, but it's a Pokemon that I like. So I picked it. We have two sets from our Pokemon of the Week Slack channel. This week, the first is from Frequent Contributor. Actually, both of these are from Frequent Contributors. The first one comes from Kevin, a.k.a. Koopa Prez. We have a Timid Nature for Miss Magius with 252 EVs in speed, 252 in HP, and 4 in special attack. Now, that EV spread should already tip you off that we are doing a sort of fast, but with some bulk support set, because we're getting moves... We, we clearly want speed to be able to do the moves that are going to be on this move set, but we want to live more than we really want to be able to deal damage. Item's going to be leftovers. 
the moveset is Thunder Wave, Taunt, Hex, and Pain Split. We can see there now why that EV spread is the one we're going to use. Most of these moves are simply non-damaging moves that are going to hinder the opponent in some way, with the notable exception of Hex, which is a ghost-type move that typically has 65 base power and 100% accuracy, but if you, the opponent is affected by a non-volatile status condition, so that's anything that stays if the Pokemon switches out and back in, if the Pokemon is afflicted by one of those status conditions, its base power will double to 130, which is very strong, especially for a move with 100 base or 100% accuracy. So the idea there is that even though most of what you're doing is applying paralysis with thunder wave, uh, taunt with taunt, or uh, dealing kind of dealing sort of weird indirect damage with pain split, uh, or healing yourself with pain split. Uh, you have the ability to deal damage if in instances where like maybe Miss Magius is the last Pokemon alive or if you're just in a spot where throwing another Thunder Wave out there doesn't really do anything for you, you have that option to deal some damage because 130 base power is still strong regardless of how much you've invested in special attack. Koopa Prez also mentions that Will-O-Wisp and Trick Room are also options. Uh, the second set comes to us from Gabe Brown, and this is very different. This is Ms. Magius with Choice Specs, so a very offensive set. Choice Specs is an item that increases your special attack by 1.5, if memory serves. Let's see. By 50%. So uh, Choice Specs boosts your special attack by 50%, but makes it so that you can only use the first move you've selected so the first turn you can use any move out of your four but then after that you have to keep using that move until uh, the pokemon switches out and back in nature is timid the evs are 252 in special attack and 252 in speed with the remaining four in hp and the move set is shadow ball mystical fire which is which might be a new one to some people it came out in gen 6 but i'll get to it later so shadow ball mystical fire power gem and icy wind the Shadow Ball is obviously for the same type of attack bonus. Power Gem and Icy Wind. Uh, well, so Power Gem is good uh, type coverage. Icy Wind is a very good move in doubles because it hits both opponents and lowers their speed. Not very strong. It doesn't have a high base power, but the ability to to lower the speed of both opponents by one stage can be very useful. It's similar to... Um, it, it, in that way, to, we were talking about Snarl earlier in an earlier week, where it's not a very strong move, but the fact that it's guaranteed to lower um, a stat by a full stage of both opponents is quite good. And that actually brings us to Mystical Fire, which is very similar to Snarl. It's a fire-type move that is only learned by... Oh, what does Fennekin evolve into? How can I not remember... Delphox? Yeah, Delphox. Oh, that's embarrassing. So, a Mystical Fire is only available to Delphox and Miss Magus. An interesting combination, I suppose, of Pokemon to learn it. It's a Fire-type move with 75 base power. Uh, that was lower in Generation 6. That was 65 in... Or, yeah, it was 65 in Generation 6. Uh, bumped up to 75 now. 100% accuracy. It's guaranteed to lower the special attack of the target by one stage. It's notable that it's not 
quite like Snarl in that it only hits one opponent, but it does have significantly high higher base power. So it's less about this throwing a, a, a wide net and lowering everything, regardless of, you know, if the intended target switches or whatever, you'll you'll hit something. Um Mystical Fire is, is used a little differently, but it's it's has similar effect. Yeah, so those are your two sets. You have one that's more of a support set and one that's uh, much more offensive. Perfect, perfect. We have four shiny version. It's where I come in. Uh, shiny Miss Magius gets like a greenish gold going on instead of the purple pink. Oh, that's not a golden green, buddy. Uh, it's like a rusted mm. copper. No... That's more like, like an organic mulch. infection. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not good looking. Uh, Maggie, I call it a pus green. Miss Magius' uh, base HP, attack, and defense are the same as Ms. Drevius's, but its base special attack, defense, and speed are higher. Miss Magius comes before Haunchcrow in the Sinnoh Pokedex, but Miss Magius' pre-evolution Ms. Drevius comes after Honchkrow's pre-evolution Murkrow in the Johto Pokedex. Miss Magius is based on the concept of mages, witches, magic, hallucinations, and banshees. Good old ghost Pokemon. Was Miss Magius the first ghost-only Pokemon? Because in Gen 1, it was just ghost poison. Well, I, the thing well, about Miss... Well, Miss Drevious Magius. Line, I mean. Right, but... Miss Magus is actually introduced in Generation Four. That's the weird thing. It's a it was a new evolution in Gen Four to the Generation Two Pokemon Mischievous. So it's more accurate to say that Mischievous was the first. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. That Pokemon. line yeah. was the first. Yeah, I think so. All right, let's uh, let's clean some houses. Let's do some house cleaning. First bit of house cleaning is that. Hopefully, by the time you are listening to this, or shortly after, there should be a new It's Super Effective shirt up. One of those services, Teespring, represent whatever one I decide to do. They're they're great services because I can put the shirts really cheap. You guys can get them for like 20 bucks, and then I don't have to worry about shipping them. That's like my biggest hassle, is in the past, I've ordered shirts. You know, you wait for them to come in, you then sell them, and then you ship them, and then you get stuck with a bunch of leftovers because you think medium is the most popular, and no one buys medium, and then you got all these mediums left over. Anyways, there should be some new shirts if you're interested. Uh, I try to price them as cheap as possible. I don't look to make profits on the shirts. I think the last time I sent out a shirt, I made like $12 after everything was said and done. So, you know, that gives me like four bottles of Soylent. Uh, so there should be some new shirts up. So if follow our Twitter or follow Slack, if you're in Slack or follow our Facebook to keep up on those Twitter at Pokemon podcast, facebook.com slash PKMNcast. Like I mentioned, our Slack, if you want access into that, you have to become a Patreon backer, patreon.com slash it's super effective for $1 a month from supporting us. You can get into our Patreon. Uh, final bit of house cleaning is that we have a subreddit. If you are a Reddit or uh, reddit.com slash r slash super effective, there is some cool stuff there like the a uh, dumb a uh, dumb dance. 
is there. That's a great place to find that and see that. There is a bunch of other stuff there. If you are a subscriber there, feel free to post there anything podcast-related, anything you hear on the podcast. Don't be shy to use that subreddit. Don't be shy to upvote other people. Uh, Really happy with how that community has grown. Uh, So check that out. And yeah, that's all I have. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. No, I'm good. All right, cool. Thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, you can follow Travis at the Travis W. You can follow Will on Twitter at Wash in the Sink. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are super effective. Super Miss Magi. Keep that dog clean in 2017.